I wanted to share a testimony just to kick off uh, this morning. Um, there was a lady who came on Sunday two weeks back, and uh, she came into some, I don't know if you remember that moment where I asked people to put up their hands and we would pray, and some of us were going, what the heck's going on here? This is interesting. But this individual, she is struggling for three weeks, three weeks just with bad gastro. I think she said to me in her voice note that she had eaten popcorn every day. She couldn't digest anything. She was struggling in agony and pain. And she arrived that morning totally depleted, feeling like actually it's just worthless. I don't even know why I'm here. She arrived with some family, sat somewhere. I don't know exactly where they sat. But when she responded, or when I asked for people to respond, she didn't respond. She was just like, I, I don't even believe that God can heal me. How's that, eh? Just nothing. The people around her said, well, we're going to put up our hands. So they put up their hands and they said, okay, we're going to pray. And she was completely healed. Completely healed. Got back home, started eating again. Everything 100%. Just in that moment. Lack of faith, no faith, zero faith. But God came in and empowered and healed her. Our God is faithful. So I followed up even this week to say, how are things going? 100%. Everything is amazing. God is good. So it's all good. All right. Our last week in uh, the gifts, that grow series, the light bulbs, just to remind us again that there are some of us who are round, tall, skinny, short, tall, as Don wonderfully described. But I trust that over this time, and as I've engaged with one or two of you, I've realized that this has been for some a challenging series. Because actually you're sitting back saying, I'm, I need to activate something of the gifts. For some of us, it's like, actually, I didn't realize I had gifts. And I need to step into more of this expression of gifts. Um, and I trust that even as we continue, that this expression of gifts doesn't end here. But actually, we continue in this arena of desiring the gifts to flow and be exercised in the life of our church. And so I'm going to continue with prophecy this morning. I know that last week I spoke on prophecy, but we felt just in this moment that prophecy required a two-week, just because of the power and the nature of prophecy, and to hopefully bring clarity where maybe clarity is needed. So let's turn in our Bibles, please, to Ephesians 4. Yes, you guessed it right, 11 to 13. And uh, I'm sure you all know it by now, and I'd love for you to read it with me, if you can. Are we there? It should be up on the screen there. All right, you read it with me. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro. Is it there? You guys left me hanging there. I was just like, what went on there? Oh, my word. Okay, let's go 14 again. Let's end off on a high. You ready? Okay. So that we may. By human cunning, by craftiness. All right. Well done, guys. I need someone to keep the, the, the metronome going, you know. It is so important that we are reminded that these gifts are there for the building up, to build up and mature and the forward movement of the local church. We want to move forward. Every single one of us wants to move forward. 
It's like every single one of us started at point A, but ultimately if you remain at point A, then you're going to get left behind. Point A is great. Maybe it's a place of salvation or a place of realization or a place of like aha moment. Oh, wow, God. But ultimately, the church needs to move forward. Many years back, just on 13 years, this church was planted. It was planted here in point A, but yet we have to move forward as a local church. And God would use the gifts to constantly be stirring our hearts to a place of maturity. Why? Because there's an expression that God has called this church to step into that started 13 years ago, has gone through seasons and more seasons and more seasons, and we find ourselves even at a place right now of a transitionary season, but yet as the gifts are being outworked, as God is using you and I and every single one of us, not the hide holy person on the platform, but you and I, every single person using our children right now down there in the Blixel, using them to encourage and to bring words of encouragement to friends and to ask questions and to worship Jesus, every single part doing its part so that the church would continue to move forward in the preferred future that God has called it to, to, to move forward in. A quick snapshot of what it looks like, and we've spoken of five areas, and I'd like to just give a quick recap. We started off with the apostle. When the gift of apostle is being exercised, we as a church keep moving forward, breaking open new grounds, starting new life groups. There are people in this, in this congregation who need to be leading life groups. You saw the email address, just email that address, or the guy with the nice flowery shirt in the front. Just talk to him. But it's the apostle gets stirred up in our hearts, and we're like, man, we can do this thing. We can plant new life groups. We can plant churches. We can give beyond what we can from our time, our talents, and our treasures. We can volunteer if we've never volunteered again before. And we can start new businesses. The entrepreneurs in the room go, yes, that's me. The apostolic anointing upon our lives to break open and go where no one else has gone before. That's what the apostle does. He says, we, we need to go where? We need to go, okay, we'll risk it all, give everything up, we'll do it for the sake of it. I remember many, many years ago as uh, the movement of churches we were part of, New Covenant Ministries International, one of the first church plants I recall was a church, that, a church in Durban that planted a couple into London. The heart was to plant in London. And over 30 individuals resigned, sold businesses, gave up all that they had and relocated to London to support a church that was gonna be established in a new city, a new region. I sit back and I marvel at it. I go, God, would I do that? Would I give it up? Well, we did. We came from Job, I guess. I know that. But, but like, would, would we do such a thing? Has the apostolic anointing gripped my heart to risk it all, to step out the boats, to start new things, God? And I, I use that as, a, as an extreme, but I trust that even you are seated here questioning, do I do this? Do I not do this? Should I do it? Should I invest? And the apostolic would come and would stir your heart in God to go, yes, you can. You can step into that space because actually that is what moving forward and maturing looks like. What about the gift of evangelism? When the gift of evangelism is stirred in our hearts, and uh, Colin did such a wonderful job in that week. When the gift of evangelism is stirred, what happens is we desire to see people saved. We desire to invite people. You see, if we continue coming Sunday after Sunday into this context without inviting people that don't know Christ, then I think the, the gift of evangelism needs to be stirred up in our hearts again. 
Because when the gift of evangelism grips our hearts as a local church, all of a sudden we start to see with different eyes. It's like things fall from us. Religion falls from us. Convenience falls from us. And we start to look upon the community that God has called us to live in. The squash club, the tennis club, the rowing, the sailing. We start to look with different eyes. And we start to look with eyes of possibility. Why? Because that which we are convinced about, the good news, is also good news for those people who still need to hear the good news. That actually this local church would burst at its seams because something of the evangelist has gripped our hearts in such a way that all of a sudden we're just seeing people arriving supernaturally. I've seen the gift of evangelism operate in, in a church we were in many years ago where you could preach a gospel message about the cross and ask people to respond and no one responds. And then you'd have this man, Eric Tocknell, who would stand up once a year in the church. He was like a father in the life of the church. And he would just talk about loving South Africa. That's all he used to do, just love South Africa and why we mustn't leave South Africa and why we must stay in South Africa. That's all he used to do every year. And then he'd go, who wants to get saved? And 20 people put their hands up to go, we want to get saved. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Elders would look at us. We don't understand. Like, what does this guy? Well, there's a gift of evangelism on his heart. It's like whatever came out of his mouth didn't really matter because people were just catching something of theirs. It's a tangible expression of evangelism. What about the pastor? When the pastor is stirred in our hearts, all of a sudden our arms are open to everyone. No one is excluded. No one will come to this Sunday gathering and say, oh, that church does not accept people like me. See, when the pastor is stirred, all of a sudden our homes are open to everyone. We're having meals with people that we would naturally not have meals with because something has been stirred like the book of Acts where everyone had everything in common. That means there were people that were not in common with you and you had to step out of your bubble, Mark McKinley, out of your little bubble of security and convenience and have to walk across the room and invite people into something of the common experience that God was doing at that time. See, God is doing something in the life of this church and will continue to do something in the life of this church and the pastors in the room need to help ignite in us this ability to say, would we open our hearts and would we allow all men to come in so that we would be a people that has everything in common. The teacher, when the teacher is stirred up, when the gift of the teacher is being exercised, then the theological diets and accuracy of scripture has strengthened our resolve to know what we believe. Fostering an appetite for the Word of God. When the teacher is at full flight in a community, we walk away desiring to read God's Word, desiring to gain more understanding. And so we trust that even as common ground, we would stir up the teacher amongst us in our life groups, in, in our public gatherings like this, in different areas, so that ultimately we would be a people that love the Word of God. And lastly, prophecy, which we've been speaking about, when the gift of prophecy is being exercised, we as a church start to live open to the leading of the Spirit, to the leading of His, His Spirit, a God-shaped future as everyone in, encourages each other to live in all God has called them to. And it's so important. What God has saved us out of is greater than, sorry, what God has saved us out of, out of is not as great as what God has saved us into. I think sometimes we look at, gee, God did so much. Well, what about now? What about tomorrow? If we believe that God saved us out of some hectic stuff, awesome, but actually he saved you into something far greater. 
The future looks brighter. The future looks more glorious. So I want to touch on 1 Corinthians, and uh, as Don said, we're going to 2 Corinthians from next Sunday, but we're going to end off with just touching on 1 Corinthians. Is follow the way of love, chapter 14, verse 1 of 4, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. What is he saying there? Is he saying that speaking in tongues is not needed? No. He's saying tongues is important, but from an edification point of view, when you are edifying yourself through tongues, that's a good thing. But ultimately, he's saying, but it's not good in a corporate environment because no one knows what you're saying. I don't know when last did you stand next to someone speaking tongues and say, this guy's a bit loony in the head. Don't know what he's saying. It's not encouraging me right now. But it says there that ultimately when it is an encouragement is when someone brings an interpretation of that tongue. So when there are tongues that are given, and I, I, I haven't been in many meetings where that is the case, but I have been in some meetings where the tongue is given publicly and then you sort of start to watch the front row, look around and go, is there an interpretation coming? Because if there's a no interpretation coming, we need to tackle that person off the platform. It's like that person can't carry on. You know, it's like one of those moments like, Woo, what's going to happen? And it's amazing how a person would articulate a tongue and it just makes absolutely no sense, but someone from the back or wherever would come forward and bring an interpretation and you go, aha God, surely you're in this place. It's important from the outset to identify these two things. These two things. Tongues edify me, prophecy edify us. Is it important to edify myself in the spirit, me and God? Absolutely. Do it and continue to do it. But is it important for me to prophesy? Paul is saying, I would rather that you do that as a primary thing when you're looking at the life of the local church. So today we're going to focus, obviously, on this area of prophecy. So let me just do a little example right now. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. Turn to the person next to you. And if you've got no one, just uh, find someone. But yeah, just turn to the person next to you. Bear with me. Don't worry. Just look at them. All right. And what always happens is you turn to the favorite person in your life. Yes. <laughs> and I want you to say this over them. Are you ready? You're going to say, turn, guys. You're going to turn to each other. Say this over them. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. Ah, wonderful. Okay, turn to the person that you rejected. The other person, whoever that person is. And say this. All right, all right, all right, all right. You are created in the image of God. All right, was that difficult? Yes, oh my word, this is not going well. Was that difficult? Well, you all just prophesied. You edified each other. You stirred each other up. And you know the beauty about it? Is that it's all scriptural. Psalm 139 verse 14, you are wonderfully and fearfully made. 
Genesis 1 verse 27, you're created in the image of God. How simple was it? It was very simple. How accurate was it? Very accurate. You guys are the most anointed prophets of all time. <laughs> Sitting in this room. So wonderful. But I do want to just highlight one thing. Is how do we assess or how do we in a sense weigh up prophecy? It's so important because I think there is a lot that is said out there. We know it. Trump will be president. And then he isn't president. And then what? I think prophecy has been skewed to a certain degree. People have used and hidden behind prophecy to say things, to get their way, to declare things that maybe aren't even true. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 20 to 22, it says, Do not treat prophecies with content, but test them all. Test them. Why do we test? Well, we need to see if it holds weight, if there's value in it, if it's accurate. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. I remember in a church once, and I was standing there, very young, and the service was super anointed. Worship was amazing. It was just like one of those moments, you know, goosebumps. And a woman said she had a prophetic song to sing. And she came up to the front, and we were just like, you know, that moment of just waiting for God to just visit us in person at that moment. And it was a prophetic song, she said. And she started to sing. She'll be coming round the mountain when he comes. He'll be coming round the mountain. By the time I, I, yippee, yippee, I came, the moment was lost completely because we were like, is this for real? Like what on earth is going on in our midst? True story, true story, true story. There's another moment where we were prophesying over an individual and, um, and this person started saying, his name was Peter, and we're all in this big crowd, and he's standing in the middle, and we're all laying on hands, and we're just trusting God to speak. And we were sort of halfway in, I'd say, and this person said, um, Peter, I see you. I see you running on the beach. I see the wind just, and just, this person started to describe. I see you naked running on the beach. And at that moment, we all just cracked up, you know, just like, stop right there. We don't have any more visual elements of what's going on. I share those as humorous stories, but I think prophecy can go quite interestingly incorrect in moments. And it's for us to weigh them up, to go, God, what are you saying? And so I want to give you five quick, quick handles around prophecy and how to weigh them up. Firstly, the Word of God. What does the Bible say about the information I just received? And so if you've received something that is contradictory to God's word, worst case scenario, someone says, I believe God has said you need to commit adultery. Exactly. Exactly. There's the answer. Exactly. I don't even carry on. But that's an obvious one but it can easily descend into interesting spaces where we need to weigh up and say, is, is this based on truth? Is this something that is powerful in the Word of God that we can say yes to? What about the character of God, number two? Does what I know about God line up with what I'm hearing? 
the character of God, of God who's loving, who's kind, who, who wants to qualify for God to love a world that he gave us only begotten son. So actually, God loves all mankind. God doesn't come and say actually prophetically that we need to turn our backs on a specific kind. Uh, hold on, hold on. That's not the character of God. I can't receive that. What about number three, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit? Maybe intellectually we don't quite understand what someone has just spoken over my life, but in that moment there's a yes in me. The Spirit of God is saying yes in me to say yes, this is something that I need to embrace. What about the trusted counsel where we are able to take what we've received and maybe go and meet with some people that we trust to be able to help us navigate something of the content or maybe the core that the prophetic word is bringing. And then confirmation, which is the fifth one. Does the prophetic word confirm at some level what God is already saying to me? It's so important that we, we weigh up these prophetic words that come our way. It's important for us not just to receive everything, but for us to receive, to not despise prophecy, but to receive it and then to be able to test it. And when it has found its testing, we're able to weigh in and trust for it to land correctly. Proverbs 12 verse 18 is a beautiful scripture just to remind us of this. It says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It brings healing. Okay, so two points this morning. Number one, as we practically do this, a word for the many. A word for the many, and the second one I want to touch on is a word for the one. When prophesying or in the moment of the prophetic, there is the expression to the many and there's the expression to the one. And so it's important for us to, to be aware of the two differences. Revelations 1 verse 10 to 11, John, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Okay, here at John, there is this download from heaven for seven churches, a prophetic declaration to expose, to bring correction, and to encourage, to edify and build up the local church. Just like John, uh, I felt as I was preparing in this moment that, that there would be a great opportunity to pull out some of the corporate prophetic words that we've received as a local church. So I did receive a document with a whole bunch, and then I thought, well, how cool would it be if we got people to pray for us who have never walked through those doors, to pray for us and to trust prophetically to encourage us as a church? Cool thing? Okay, one in-house and one external. So I just want to read a prophetic word that I, I was sent um, just from a prophetic word just about us as a local church, and it's nothing hectically directional. It really is an encouragement, and I felt like it would really model something of this, receiving something from God and being able to write a letter, just as John, to a church to encourage them, and this is how it is. I feel that while you are called common ground, God is saying, you're, and, and let me just say, these people actually had to ask me, like, what's the church's name? Like they, they literally don't have any clue around where we meet, what we're about. It says, I feel that while you are called common ground, God is saying you're actually holy ground. People will come to this church to experience something of a unity, something of a brotherhood, something of a togetherness, even as we see in Acts. But there is more God has for you. The ground has been plowed. The land is prepared. You have been a bridge connecting people to Jesus. 
but there is more God wants to do and in through you. You are a bridge builders. You are bridge builders going beyond your home base, going beyond even the local life. Uh, sorry, lift up your vision. Look beyond, up the road, down the road, across city borders, provincial borders, international borders. You're not only a safe haven, but you are a sending haven, taking gifting, taking ability, taking the little you think you have and seeing how God turns it and grows it for his glory. I see people coming, even in, to be trained and equipped. I see that this church will become a so-called destination. There will be a people in this church who will have key giftings, interesting gifting series, and creative ideas, and even in this, in this, the business realm. I see captains of industries and captains of knowledge who will use their abilities to change a mindset, even a society. Even people who will spearhead entrepreneurial endeavors that will open doors to give hope and to be duplicated elsewhere. Think God thoughts, lift your vision, but all the while it is holy ground where Jesus is, lifting, is lifted up where worship will be saturated with God's presence and it will be known as a place of God's presence and power. Dare to step into even the supernatural where healing, deliverance, great faith and more will start to be the norm. Even the children will get it. Don't think small. You serve a big God and big plans for, for you. I see people coming to be trained and equipped. I see that this church will become a so-called destination. Powerful, eh? It is encouraging. It's stirring. And for some of us, we'd say, yes, we know that. Thank you, Jesus, for confirming that. For some, we'd be, wow, God, I'm awakened to the possibilities. And so it's important when someone from the outside speaks in who's never been here, we read it and go, okay, God, you are speaking. You're doing something powerful. And then I decided, well, let me take the, the prophetic words that have been birthed within as common ground has gone on a journey. And so I just asked for a, a few prophetic words, and, and this was the one that stood out for me. It said, in 2017, this was written or spoken. God whispered to us, build like both Noah and like Nehemiah. Nehemiah rebuilt broken walls. Something was widely known to be broken, and God led him to rebuild it. Noah, however, built an ark, but because of a widely not because of a widely known need, but because the Spirit led him. Two uniquely different individuals. Two uniquely different building analogies. It was a crazy thing to do, Noah. In due time, God used it to powerfully move his people forward. In the same way, we as common ground must rebuild some things like Nehemiah that everyone agrees are needed. Like we agree, this wall needs to be built. In some of the other prophetic words that I read through, I, I pulled out this extract and added it in here because I felt like, wow, this is confirmation. It says, use burned stones will be placed in the wall again. Common ground will be a safe harbor, a place of healing, restoration, and wholeness. I love the destination one that I've just read. God's gonna bring people into this community. Where am I? from other churches where they had been burnt, or for those especially in church leadership. After a season of healing, these people are released into leadership again, fleshly restored and commissioned. And then this other, the main prophetic word carries on. But God will also call us to do some crazy things like Noah, all because the Spirit leads us. Some crazy things. 
some crazy things. What is a crazy thing? I just put it out there. I pray that even this morning, some craziness would start to stir in our hearts. In God. Because the, the thing is that if you think of Noah building an ark, that guy must have been known as the crazy one. Oh, yeah. But yet, actually, he was the one who would transport, and this was the prophetic word, is saying, actually, that we would be like Noah. We would build something that people say, this is crazy, but yet, actually, it would be something that would move God's people forward. Noah, you would move humanity forward. You wouldn't drown in your brokenness and in your sinful state. And so it's so important for us, as we look at the prophetic, when it speaks corporately, we're able to embrace something of what God is doing. Number two, a word for the one. A word for the one. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 24 to 25 says, But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convinced of that, so they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. Man, I remember when the prophet used to come to town, I was like getting a bit nervous. I was like, oh, they're going to say some stuff here, and they're going to expose what's going on in my heart. But yet, actually, what this is all about is that so that they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. You see, when, when prophecy is at work amongst us, when prophecy is moving and, and stirring in our hearts and there's a lot of the prophetic coming, those who are far from God come in. And what is the thing that differentiates? It's this thing of saying God is really among you. And if there was anything for us to be stamped with, or if I could use the term labeled with, I trust that we'd be a church that is known that God is really among them. That in their times of worship, in their times of communing, in their times of ministry, in their time of the communication or the preaching of the word, that truly God is among them. And he's doing a work in their hearts. There is something powerful when you and I start to prophesy and when specific words are given to individuals. What greater testimony than to have an unbeliever walk in? What a greater testimony than to say, actually God, you are moving, not because a paid professional has said anything, but because the church of Jesus Christ have been ministering together and allowing the prophetic to come. I'd love to just ask the musicians to come up, just as we end off. What I desire so much this morning is, is that God would come to, to the one, but God would also come to the many. That words would come to the one, but words would come to the many. And something of what I've described and just hopefully modeled this morning is that God has spoken to us as a congregation. And God is continuing to speak to us. God is continuing to help us see that through the prophetic, God is shaping and building the local church and sending us on a trajectory into a preferred future. But along the way, there is also the need for us to speak and prophesy over the one. That God desires for the one to receive encouragement. God desires for the one to be empowered. And I just want to take a moment, even now. I really just felt to, to just demonstrate a little bit of the prophetic. 
even with a buzz in our ears. You see, God is, the amazing thing about the prophetic is that God would handpick people in moments like this. He would come and say, I know you're here. I see you. It's great to be able to sit and go, yes, I'm part of a church that's going somewhere. Thank you, Jesus. But God comes and says, but I do know your circumstance, sir, ma'am. I do know you intimately. Abraham, I know you, and I've called you. I've called you to something that will impact a nation. So Holy Spirit, we pray right now. When you come, you're already here. Your presence is here. You're moving upon among us. You're moving among us. Strengthening, encouraging, edifying. There is more. Awaken our hearts, we pray, in this moment, Lord God. Just bear with me right now. Let's just stay in this atmosphere. That lady up at the top there in the balcony with the gray jersey on and the glasses. Yeah, I can see you. I just want to just remind you again that your hands have not finished doing what God has called it to, to do. I have this picture of you sitting in front of long sheets of material. Long sheets of material. They're just like long. They just went out the door and just continued. And I saw you cutting with your scissors over and over again, just cutting, 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 cutting. And I saw you get halfway and you put the scissors down and say, I'm done, done, done with this. Can't carry on. I just can't carry on. These hands, we're not built to do this. And I saw you agonizing over future, agonizing over purpose, agonizing over, well, how will this materialize into something new? God, what is the next? Because I just can't carry on with this mundane cutting experience any longer. And I saw you just sitting in a place of just asking and inquiring of God. And I saw you just, as you're in that place of inquiry, God was slowly but surely just awakening you to new innovative ideas. Looking upon business and going, I've done this for years, but actually today I'm going to change things. I've been doing this for so long, and yes, I'm good at it, and, and I've, I've done it well, and I have a great reputation, but actually, God, I, I can't carry on this way any longer. I'm, I'm desiring something new. And I really felt like right now, God would want to remind you again that your hands still need to work, but yet as they work, they're going to be expressed in a different way. I really just feel like I saw you in that space where, where even you were now designing and creating solutions for others who found themselves in that same place. It's like God was shifting you into a space where you started to say, you know what, I had these problems and these were the solutions. 
I went through these troubles, but this is how I overcame. And I'd love to help you on the journey of finding the solutions in your own business, in your own life, in your own situation. I feel like the word solutionist over you. Like God's giving you perspective. He's giving you eyes to see. He's giving you the ability to look upon and go, actually, God, I know what to do in this situation. This is a moment of transition, a moment of change, a moment of saying, God, if you have given me this moment in time to make a choice, God, I trust that this will be the moment that I look upon the next season of my life and know, God, that as I have found solution, so God's solutions would come to others. It's a multiplying season. It's an increased season for you. And so, Father, I pray even now, Lord God, that, Lord, you would stir courage in her heart, that, Lord, more would be stirred for the sake of your glory. Awaken her, Lord God, in this moment, that, Lord, she would stand secure in knowing that, Father, truly you will empower, empower her in this season. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So that lady there with the, like, brown, yeah, yeah, that's you. Is that your, are you married? That one. Okay, all right, yeah. Just like, what's that again? You're engaged. Woo! How cool is that? It's so cool. I just saw the both of you, um, just in, as I was ministering, and, um, It's amazing how God puts people together. Yeah, I would have assumed you were married, but, but in that moment of just saying, God, this is right. Like I really feel like even in your hearts to go, God, this is right. And, and I'm not saying you is getting engaged, but like just where you find yourselves, I really feel like that, that term, this is right. This is right. God, this is right right now for what we need. This is right for what you have set aside for. This is right, Lord God. And I think like even you guys wrestling, like the same time, like timing, what, how, it just felt like that thing. This is right. This is right for now. Like there's a peace that's gonna come upon you guys just to be able to journey the next because that is your anchor. This is right. This is right. And so I, I don't know your name, but I, I just feel for you that in this moment, in this moment, that God, like David, I don't know if you are a musician, but like David, who is found tending the sheep, feeling neglected, maybe doing the mundane work of looking after stinky sheep. The prophet arrived to anoint the new king, and, and he wasn't even there. Forgotten. Oh yeah, I think I think I got a son. I think he's David. He's out. I feel sometimes you felt like that. I'm the David, just out there. No one hears me. No one acknowledges me. No one pays attention to me. My ideas, they fall to the ground. But the beauty about David is that he knew who was listening. He knew who was paying attention. He knew who he was engaging with. He wasn't caught up with the things of this world, trying to impress and trying to polish his shoes and, and make himself, this is who I am. No, those were the other brothers. But David sat there alone. Sheep don't speak. That means he didn't hear much. But one thing he did is he worshiped Jesus. Worshiped God. 
And I feel like there is a time coming for you guys where God, you're going to be in the environments of, of feeling totally removed. And it's like a messenger. I can just remember that messenger. I can just think of him right now, running. <laughs> David, your dad wants you home right now. Here's the letter. And David's like, me? He never wants me. And David running back. Running back to his father. Arriving. And there's this, you know, there's limousines outside. The prophet has arrived to anoint. He's like, what's going on? And as you walk through the door, he says, there he is. That's the man. And I just want to encourage you in this season, don't run after the things that would present themselves as glorious. Hold fast and true. Hold to that, des that desire to say, God, I, I'll position myself where I find myself because I know that you see me. You see me, God. Others won't, but you do. And there will come a moment where the letter will arrive. So Father, I pray for this couple in Jesus' name. Won't you move upon them, Lord God, in a glorious way? Won't you empower them, Jesus? Empower them with such hope for the season ahead. In Jesus' name.